You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook where we post all of our content. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers, the number one podcast for the Packers in the state of Wisconsin and the show. For fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And on your smart speaker, it's as simple as saying, Hey Alexa, okay Google, play Locked On Packers. And today is really a, a, an exciting show because the Packers introduced their new head coach yesterday, Matt LaFleur, and there is a lot to dig into with this press conference. I don't want to over, you know, body language doctorate and talk, oh, did he look nervous? Did he, you know, how did he carry himself? I, I just, I don't find any of those things matter when it, when it comes to winning and losing football games. Bill Belichick is one of the least charismatic coaches in a press conference you will ever meet. But when it comes to football, that dude is unrivaled. So we're not going to do that part of it. Uh, before we dig too far into this, I'm just going to remind you, Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly is on the show. We're going to get to him a little bit later, talk a little bit about this coaching hire, uh, about what's going on with the Chicago Bears and around the league. So uh, interesting and fun conversation with Eric there. Looking forward to it. Now, back to the issue at hand, and this is this is the big headline. Let's just get to the mechanics of this to start with. So Mark Murphy talked about the search, and they interviewed 10 candidates, and he said, in the first nine, none of them stood out. And that includes Josh McDaniels, by the way. And so that's, I, I made the joke on Twitter, it didn't, it wasn't phrased to be Josh McDaniels slander, but it's not not because it does represent and encapsulate that interview. That, that counts. So they get to this last interview with Matt and they get done with it. And apparently Mark Murphy looks at Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball and says, well, Matt's my number one. And BG says, that's my number one. And Russ Ball says, that's my number one. And they're like, okay, well, just because he was the best interviewer, he was the best guy in the interview room, by far the most prepared guy, they said. They said, well, okay, let's sleep on it. We don't want to make, we don't want to, we don't want to hire the best interviewer. We want to hire the best candidate for the job. And they slept on it the next morning. They all said, yep, this is still who we want to go with. And that matters. That is, that is, that consensus is important. And also important is we found out over the course of this press conference that before the Packers officially made the offer and before everything was signed, Brian Gutekunst had Aaron Rodgers reach out to Matt LaFleur. And Aaron Rodgers was on the advisory committee, which had guys like Charlie Casserly, who's a former NFL GM, on it. 
that his input was taken as a part of this coaching search. They made Rodgers feel as much a part of this process as they could without having him meddle in the process, without feeling like they're giving him undue power in the process. You make him make him a part of it. And don't just make him feel a part of it. He was a part of this, and it seemed they realized an important part of it. They did not pay lip service to the idea that Aaron Rodgers is the franchise, the face of the franchise, but also ultimately the weather vane of this franchise. As Rodgers goes, so too goes the Green Bay Packers. They clearly have have recognized this is the reality for them. And so now you get to the Matt LaFleur part. And what is what is how does he come off in this interview? What does he talk about? Well, he starts with talking about his family and how important that is, and, and he makes it makes reference to his wife being the real superstar and wins all the brownie points that way, gets a little bit emotional, and just seems so eager and earnest and excited to have this opportunity. It clearly means something to him to be the head coach. And this was something that I was actually talking to my wife about yesterday. When you look and just compare Josh McDaniels to Matt LaFleur. Josh McDaniels has five Super Bowl rings. When he comes to Green Bay, let's say he thrives and has the success that you want him to have, and they win a Super Bowl. What is going to drive him from that point? He's already won, and now he's proven he can be a head coach and win with Aaron Rodgers. What is there left for him to prove? The future and the, and the story of Matt LaFleur has not been written. Not enough has been written to this point, which is why some people are nervous about this. But let's say the Packers in the next two or three years win a Super Bowl. Matt LaFleur is going to want to win two and three and four and five. And it's not that Josh McDaniels wouldn't. It's that the incentives are different. It's that the, the stakes are different. And that matters. And, and let me read you this quote from Matt because he was asked, what does innovation, what does innovative mean to you? And this is what he said. He said, I think it's a constant pursuit to try and stay one step ahead of the game. Because if you stay stagnant and don't evolve, I think people catch up to you. You're constantly studying not only your tape, but around the league. There's a lot of good ideas around there. You look at Kansas City and what Andy Reid is able to do and Matt Nagy and some of these other guys that maybe aren't part of our system, if you will. At the same time, you don't want to have be a grab bag of just taking it, trying to steal everybody's stuff. It's whether or not it fits within the framework of your offense. I think it comes down to, I love watching football, whether it's our team or somebody else. I'm always going to try and see if what we can implement, if we can implement something else that maybe a defense hasn't seen from us. This is what you want. Your young, supposedly innovative and progressive, football progressive coach to sound like. Because you don't just want pieces of, of offense from here and there and everywhere. You want a system that builds on itself. He's not the kind of coach that's going to say, well, that's a cool play, but it's, I don't know that play. That's not my play. I'm not going to run that play. What he wants is to have a system, a framework, and then be able to build it and grow it and evolve it. And that's what you want. Because you can't just say, okay, we're going to run, you know, whatever play. 
No, that play has to set up another play, and it has to work in concert with this play. And and Matt LaFleur, I think, has an acute understanding of that. He talks about wanting to start with the run game in terms of building the offense and then saying, okay, now everything we do is predicated on this. And then now you have your passing concepts. And those have to be married together. Not that you're going to run the ball and have 50-50 balance. I don't think that's what Matt LaFleur is going to want to do. But I think when you look at the play-action game, okay, the play-action game is built off the running game. And now, okay, now you've put these concepts in the minds of the defense. Here's the drop-back passing game. And then off the drop-back passing game, we're going to have a screen game. And we're going to, and, and so that is, everything is working in concert with one another. And that's what you want your offense to be. And so I think when you're, when you're wondering, okay, did he, did he say the things that we wanted to hear? He talked about process being important. He talked about all of the players. He was asked about, you know, watching tape of the Packers and what he saw. Instead of having a chance to take a, take a shot at McCarthy, instead he talked about all of the players on that tape he saw that he felt like he, they can win with. And, and that's just those little things give you hints at what the bigger picture can look like. And, and Dan Orlovsky put it really well on Twitter. He said, look, Cliff Kingsbury and, and Matt LaFleur may not flourish in 2019. They may not be ready in year one. But by year two, year three, they will be. It, it may take a little bit of time, but they're smart. They'll figure it out. And I think we have to, we have to temper our expectations. We can't expect him to just come in and light the world on fire. But this offense is going to look different and it's going to look more modern and it's going to it's going to have better cohesion and I think it is going to put players in position to maximize their own abilities. That is his thing, that is what he is he is always trying to do. That is what Sean McVay did and I think the point has been made a couple different ways by a couple different people. But there are questions about Matt LaFleur because of his time in Tennessee. If he had stayed in L.A. another year and not taken that job, he is the number, Mark Murphy said this, he is the top coaching candidate out there. And he's the first guy hired. And and everyone is going, oh my God, the Packers just made the best hire on the market. I still, by the way, think that they did that. But isn't it interesting how that one season can change perspective so much? He's the same coach. And yet the heat on him is different. So I just, I I want you to keep that perspective here. The expectations need to be tempered a little bit, but I think what we saw at the press conference was a coach who really fits in with the fabric of this team is really thrilled to be here. And it's going to matter to him every day in the way that it did for Mike McCarthy, by the way, it's not just the job. It's not just a means to show how smart he is. It is an opportunity to forge a legacy and build a family and a community. And I think all of those things matter to him. None of those things help you win football games, but they matter when you're the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. If he wins, if the Packers are the Packers again, all of the rest of that stuff will take care of itself. And even though the Packers are not in the playoffs, the playoffs are here. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the action at my bookie. Don't be that person with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around and watch the games. Not this year, not 
when the Super Bowl is just a few weeks away. Make sure you're ready for all the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win. Ownership really cares about good customer service and they offer the craziest props, the best props. When you, Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money during the NFL playoffs, you got to go to my bookie. I trust them and you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Join now and my bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus. You put in $100, they give you 50 to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the NFL playoffs. Use promo code LOCKEDON25 when you deposit to activate the offer. That's LOCKEDON25 because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, our guest today is Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. He is Chicago-based, so he has some insight on the Bears but covers the league as a whole, so I thought he was a perfect person to have in talk a little bit of Bears, a little bit of Packers, and, and just let's let's wrap up this whole 2018 into 2019. Eric, thank you for joining Locked on Packers. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Good hearing your voice again. You as well. It's been a crazy couple days for, for both of us <laughs> and, and anyone that covers the league around the NFL. The news is the news is flying about as fast and furious as it could be. A wave of head coaches. This week, uh, let's start uh, for our purposes with the Packers and Matt LaFleur. That was a surprise hire when it was made on Monday. What was your initial reaction to it? Oh, how about that? Right. I mean, I think that was my initial reaction. What, you know, and as you and I were kind of just chatting off air, I mean, I, the wind seemed to be blowing in Josh McDaniel's direction. And, you know, we, we obviously know how that went last year for the Colts. And, uh, you know, it got all the way to the altar and maybe even a little bit beyond. But um, it, it did feel like that was the way it was going to go. And, and not that I completely discounted somebody like Matt LaFleur, but I honestly thought there were other people that they might be more inclined to hire if it wasn't McDaniel. So I, I guess that's how I would say it. But you know, it's, it's not as if Matt LaFleur doesn't come with a pretty good resume and, and some good credentials and, you know, some good recommendations from people he's worked with. And he's worked with a lot of smart people. So, you know, we'll see what that means for uh, for Green Bay. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sort of fascinated at this notion, you know, Matt LaFleur and Cliff Kingsbury get, get hired back to back and all of a sudden we have this, oh, everyone's trying to find the next Sean McVay. Right. Um, it seems odd to me, though, that that someone like LaFleur has spent much more time with Kyle Shanahan and that we've forgotten what a good coach he was. I feel like if Jimmy Garoppolo had been healthy and they win 10 games, that that this hire looks more like the Packers are trying to get the next Kyle Shanahan versus the next Sean McVay. Right. Before McVay, I mean, Kyle Shanahan was that guy. He was the right the young, hot, up-and-coming, offensive-minded head coach or, you know, coordinator turned into head coach. And you know, it, it's funny. On on the one hand, that that is so dissipated, and we and we ignore the fact that really the bond I think between Lafleur and Shanahan is probably even stronger than than what in in terms of experience and, and working together uh, than it was with McVeigh. But still, I think the fact that the 49ers have had two bad seasons back to back, you know, quarterback situation notwithstanding, he's gotten zero heat. Right? Obviously, we're in a world mm-hmm. now where. Steve Wilkes can get fired after a year. Other people get two years and they're gone. You know, there's been zero question from inside or outside the building in San Francisco that that Kyle Shanahan was going to have a job. 
based on the circumstances he was handed. So that I I still think there is that respect for him. He's just not the the buzzy name that that he was two years ago. Yeah, based on what we know, uh, it seems like this is a, a move for the Packers to come in and say that they keep Mike Patton. Yep. Say, listen, Matt, uh, we need you to fix the offense. We need you to update it. We need you to bring it into the 21st century, and we want you to stimulate our quarterback in an intellectual way, challenge him a little bit. And there was a great story yesterday from from Taylor Luan who said uh, when he when Lafleur at one of the first practices, he's out there and at one point is yelling at Marcus Mariota and Taylor was sort of like, no one yells at Mariota. (laughs) And this guy did. And it does, it does feel like this, this hire was made with, with the premise that, uh, that that's his, that's his mandate. Come in, re-engage our quarterback and, and get this offense back to where we think it should be because we think it should be. And I think we is now, you know, all encompassing in terms of the NFL, uh, consciousness that this Packers offense should be a top five offense. Right. I, I think there, you know, there, there's obviously a framework in place. We know that, you know, Aaron Rodgers provides you a template that that very few other teams can can approach. But yeah, I think that's absolutely fair to say. And, and your point about uh, Mariota and, and, you know, for different reasons, that was a quarterback who probably was, you know, costed it a little bit early in his career, certainly back to Oregon, everything was sort of framed around what he could do and what he did best and everything. And, you know, sort of a mild mannered guy with Rogers, obviously it's different, but yeah, I agree with you hundred percent in terms of finding the right person, personality wise approach wise, what kind of challenges they're going to present individually and for the team to, to coax that out of Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think it's, a whole heck of a lot different from what Mike McCarthy was tasked to do back in 2006. Was it off the top of my head? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Roger or Favre's career at that point was heading in the wrong direction before. And I know that, you know, that 06 season wasn't great, but then the next year we saw late career brilliance out of Favre. It was like a, a second or a third career for him. And so that, that same thing can be achieved through different means, I think with LaFleur. And again, I don't know him personally all that well, only spent a little time around him, but, uh, you know, he and Mike McDaniel, who's now on the staff of the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, I can tell you when I was at their table for Super Bowl week when they played the Patriots, you know, I sat down there and probably spent way too much time during media access. Listening to <laughs> They're both kind of nerdy, smart guys, and, and they really are uh, quirky personalities, and it was just sort of fun to soak up a little bit of their knowledge. I'm so glad that you had that experience because Mike McDaniel has been a name that I have thrown out there as a yeah. potential offensive coordinator hire. Give me your impression of him because I did have a, a DC media person tell me yesterday that he is super smart, yeah. very well respected, and 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 could be a, a future star coach potentially. Yeah, this is he is a fascinating guy, and I've and I've you know. It, it, I think he's he's very smart and savvy, and yet also a little bit. I don't want to say antisocial. What's the right word for that? Like he he's quirky, Just a, I mean, introverted, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little introverted. Quirky. Be, yeah, and you know he's not the McVeigh. You know, I'm going to stand up in front of the media and recite a hundred names and do it with a smile <laughs> on my face. He'll, he'll never be that guy. Uh, I believe he went to Yale. Uh, he uh-huh. talked to me openly about his past. 
you know, drinking problems and other things that he had that he had to overcome. Um, I think he was sort of hinting to himself that, or hinting, you know, hinting to me as he was talking to me that he was like, you know, I, I almost didn't know what to do with all the ideas in my head. And he wasn't bragging about his intelligence. It was almost like a madness of genius kind of thing where he thought, I don't know if I'm cut out for coaching because my brain is going in a billion different directions and I have to funnel this stuff through. But he's had help and he's had a lot of people guide him in the right way. And everybody he's worked with has praised the heck out of his ability to dissect defenses, uh, break down offenses, construct a game plan, and, and uh, also work with his position group. So, you know, he's uh, he's kind of got a fascinating story as a you know, kind of a, a no-name college football player who's now worked himself up into, you know, up the ranks in coaching. Yeah, this this offensive coordinator hire is going to be a fascinating search for the Packers, and and uh, I look forward to to furthering that discussion. And maybe maybe McDaniel is um, the McDaniel uh, derivative that the Packers really wanted in this <laughs> in this offseason coaching hiring process. <laughs> Let's shift gears here for us for a little bit because you're in Chicago. I know you've been around the Bears this season a fair amount. Uh, their season ended in the most heartbreaking fashion I think possible. What, what was your reaction to just sort of the fallout and, and the feeling for that team after that, because it, it had to have been just the most gut wrenching possible way to end a season. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm here in Chicago pro football weekly. We have kind of a, a bears portal, a vertical, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, spend a little bit more time on them than on some other teams. So you know, I've, I've, I've been at a lot of the games this year. I, I've been in open locker room. I've been around this team, not on a daily basis, but on a weekly basis. And, you know, it was really fascinating to see how the expectations changed. You know, they changed mm-hmm. when they started out three and one. They changed yep. when they beat the Vikings. They changed when they beat the Rams. And, and everybody, I think, in the, in the city fans and such media, too, were kind of saying – you know, anything that happens is gravy. You know, we weren't expected to do anything. This is a team that maybe people thought would win eight, nine games at the most. You know, we're just happy to be here kind of thing. Well, uh, yeah, going into that game against the Eagles, there was plenty of Super Bowl talk, maybe in hushed voices, but still I think a lot of people yeah. realistically thought, why not? You know, you, you can't mitigate your expectations because we've got an elite defense and we've got this and we've got that. Obviously, like you said, the not only ending in, in, you know, almost Shakespearean way with the kick, but <clears throat> for the defense to, you know, to not make a stop on that last drive, that was also part of it for, for Trubisky to not make enough plays early in the game. So everything, you know, Nagy didn't have his best play calling game. It, it, all the things they could hang their hat on really fell apart in that game. And, you know, now we're seeing kind of even more drama happening with the coaching staff. Yeah, and let's get to that because uh, the Denver Broncos have have taken the architect of an incredible defense in Vic Fangio and made him their head coach. Yeah, Ed uh, Donatel's contract is up in Chicago. Could be uh, someone who goes with Fangio to to Denver, or could be someone who's promoted in Chicago. So, I mean, what level of upheaval? They still have Khalil Mack. They still have Kyle Fuller. They still have sure. Roquan Smith. They still have Eddie Jackson. But, I mean, how big an impact do you think this is going to have on the Chicago Bears' defense? Well, you know, I I reserve the right to see who they hire. But, obviously, at this point with, you know, again, as we tape, things changing so quickly now, it sounds like Todd Bowles may be joining Bruce Arians and not coming to Chicago. That may or may not happen. We'll find out. 
as you mentioned with Ed Donatel, respected DB coach. He's about the same age as Vic. They go way back. Ed's coached in Denver before. Wouldn't be shocked if he ends up following him there again as we tape. We'll see. So, yeah, Donatel was considered, I think, the kind of like the safety school all along, right? I mean, you have your, your, <laughs> your dream school, right? That would be to keep Vic, you know, your, your kind of mid-level choice. And then I think Ed, Ed Donatel was viewed as the, well, if all else fails, we'll just make him D.C. Because I don't think there's anybody else on the current defensive staff, and I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know these guys all that well, but I know them a little. And I don't know that there's any one guy that Matt Nagy's going to trust to be the D.C. So could be somebody from the Chiefs days, could be somebody he worked with in Philly, could be somebody he's never coached with before. And all of a sudden we have our first kind of fascinating deal because Nagy was praised up and down for his staff hires a year ago. And now, you know, there's there's some some upheaval here. And and even on the offensive side of the ball, Dave Vergone, uh, the quarterback's coach, yes. has, has been a name that's out there as a potential offensive coordinator hire. And I, I have to say, I only talked to him once, but in the the 15 minutes I spent with him, I, I texted and and messaged any NFL person I could and, and that would listen to say, yo, this guy is a future offensive coordinator and probably yeah. a future head coach. He's just incredibly impressive and charismatic. And if if he left, I mean, there there is always the concern about brain drain on these kinds of staffs. Oh, yeah. No question about it. I mean, that this is the price of success right here. And, and even mm-hmm. though the team that was, you know, just kind of flopping in the wind a year ago <laughs> – you know, you see what what one year of success and respect for for what Nagy has done can do to the rest of the structure of the team. Like you said, the roster is going to be, you know, 85, 90 percent the same. A couple little tweaks here and there. They don't have a first round pick, blah, blah, blah. But all of a sudden, you know, this is what's going down. Who knows? The scouting staff could be the next to go. You know, that could be yep. you could see Mark Sadowski or, or one of these guys. Uh, Josh Lucas, very well respected. To the, could be the next to be plucked. So, yeah, I, I believe Ragone was the only offensive holdover from John Fox's staff. And I think for the reasons you just laid out, I think Nagy realized we got a gem here. And when Mark Halfrick moves on to take a college job in a year or two, Dave will be our new OC. Well, that may not happen. I, I think, too, when you when you take – you know, Matt Nagy's ascension, and, and I have to tell you, I'm as impressed with him as I am with almost any coach in the league mm-hmm. uh, over the last two years, really. And Matt LaFleur, who at the very least has the potential to really elevate this this Packers offense in a way that it hasn't been in a couple years. This is going to be really fun in the NFC North over the next, you know, say four or five years. Oh, I, I agree. I really think that, and obviously Minnesota is kind of the wild card just based on the fact that, you know, who knows what's going to happen to that team. I, you know, we yeah. always, we all thought good things with them and now they're kind of Hugh Jackson, baby. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. I mean, <laughs> the people who turned that job down and right. What could end up happening there? Uh, I, yeah, it is going to be fun. I have no idea what the path is for the, the Detroit Lions. I mean, you could tell me if you know, but I, you know, I, Patricia is the kind of guy who we were talking about a year ago as being the mm-hmm. brilliant mathematician dude and all that. And who knows? They're they're the team that I think has the most to to gain or lose. So it is going to be a fun few years in this division. Well, and who knows if they bring in, you know, if they can convince Zach Taylor to leave to to go be their OC or something like that. 
then all of a sudden, now things are really interesting. So, I mean, uh, this would require Patricia hiring a non Syracuse or a non Patriots guy. So that's, <laughs> that's a stretch I'm not prepared to make until I see it happen, right? Football powerhouse Syracuse <laughs> to you, Eric. Thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time today. Let my listeners know where they can find the work that you do. Yeah, check me out on Twitter, Eric with a C underscore at home, E-D-H-O-L-M, or you can look at profootballweekly.com. Lots going on, man. My fingers aren't uh, stopping to move except when you call. Well, I appreciate you taking that time. Get those fingers moving again. Do a little exercise. Get them loose. And uh, let's go. Uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we were able to make this work, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Hey, hey you owe me a pod hit. I, I got a good idea for you coming up in the next couple months, so I look forward to it. Let's do it. I want to thank Eric again for joining the show. We'll be back next week. The Packers made their coaching hire, so we don't have to really worry about what's going on with anything else because that's the big deal. We we should expect news probably today or tomorrow. Mike Patton officially staying. Uh, Offensive coordinator still up in the air. And I wrote a piece about it for Acme Packing Company yesterday. Uh, My money right now would be on Mike McDaniel, who is the receivers and passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. We talked about that earlier in the week, but Eric talked to him and thought he was really great. So, I mean, you heard it. So I think that makes a lot of sense for the Packers. And, you know, that's that's those those hires don't often get the headlines because LaFleur is the headline and it's his offense. But those kinds of coaches in the room, Mark Helfrich and Dave Ragone helped Matt Nagy with their team. Clearly guys like Matt Nagy, Eric Bieniemy, Mike Kafka, guys in the Chiefs coaching staff, they help Andy Reid. So and, and without question, guys like Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor, they helped Sean McVay. So. Though these coaching hires really do matter, it's why they end up being head coaches, and so the Packers do. This is important. They have to get this right. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about Locked on Packers by leaving a review. I know we're in the offseason, but there is still so much to talk about, and we're going to be here to do it four days a week next week and and for the foreseeable future so be right here and if you're subscribed it's already on your phone it's right there it couldn't be easier and anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on packers fan hotline i know we didn't get to questions this week there was just too much other stuff to get to i promise you we will get to those questions next week and if you want to hit me up there on the locked on packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay locked on packers we